you appreciate what they do, please consider, once again, becoming a financial supporter to this radio station by calling 516-620-3602 or go to give to wbai.org online. That's give to the number two, wbai.org online. It is now 6 p.m. Stay tuned for Radio Gag. Gays Against Guns, coming up. Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah. Hello, 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 and welcome to Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. This is your weekly update on how to end the horror that is the American gun violence epidemic. Radio Gag is brought to you by a raggle-taggle group of queers, lesbians, gays, straight folk, and everyone in between. We are Gag, and we are on a mission. My name is Paul Rowley. Hi, and I'm Bridget McGinn. I'd like to kick off the show by reading our Gag mission statement. Gays Against Guns New York is an inclusive, direct-action group of LGBTQ people and their allies committed to nonviolently breaking the gun industry's chain of death. Investors, manufacturers, the NRA, and politicians who block safer gun laws. We are a New York-based group, but work with gag chapters in other cities to ensure safety for all individuals, particularly vulnerable communities such as people of color, women, people who struggle with mental health issues, LGBTQ people, and religious minorities. GAG condemns white supremacy, all instances of excessive force by police, and police militarization. We meet every other Thursday at 7 p.m. at New York City's LGBT Center. All who want to fight for better gun laws are welcome. Great. Thanks, Bridget. Uh, so this week on Radio Gag, we're doing a special focus on young people in the gun violence prevention movement and how they've been organising since Parkland with March for Our Lives and Road to Change. But first, we'd like to start with an in memoriam, as we always do, to honour someone who we've lost to gun violence and to remind us why we do this work. One week ago to the day, while we were broadcasting live on Radio Gag, another incident of horrific everyday random gun violence took another child's life. Zaniah Deshay Burns was at home in Flint, Michigan at 8 p.m. on Tuesday, October 9th, when she was shot multiple times. She was seven years old. She was rushed to a hospital, but died from a gunshot wound to the head. The apartments where the shooting occurred is next to an open field, and police believe several shots were fired from a distance across the field. Police believe Zaniah's 16-year-old uncle was the intended target of the shooting, and they have arrested another teenager, 17 years old, and charged him with her murder. More than 100 Flint residents gathered for a candlelight vigil on Friday. Stuffed animals, balloons, and candles were left at the scene to celebrate Zaniah's short, fragile life. June Long, Zaniah's great-grandmother, said she was a happy child who excelled in school, and was dearly loved. Eugene Smith, a neighbor who lives across the street from where Burns was killed, said it'd be sad enough if it was a grown person, but a child. He often saw the second grader playing outside with other kids. They would ride up and down the street on their bicycles, he said, play and carry on like children do. She was a fun, happy-go-lucky girl with a contagious laughter, said Sonia Long, Zaniah's grandmother. She said Zaniah was getting ready to take a bath when she was shot. My beautiful baby. I called her banana pudding. Sonia said, I was right here. I heard the shots, and I heard my baby. They shot my baby. 
Wow. So thanks to thanks to Jean Graham for reading this week's In Memoriam. You know, it's it's just so horrific. I really encourage you to all to go online and just see a picture of this gorgeous seven-year-old little girl. It's so important that we continue to put a face on this tragedy. We get so bombarded with stats and numbers and especially with divisive arguments. It's it's really important to remember what really is happening to people in this country. I can't even imagine how it must must feel to bury your own child. And we have so much more to talk about how gun violence affects young American children and teenagers. And we'll start now with this week's Radio Gag News. First up in the ongoing saga of election corruption, the National Rifle Association is continuing to funnel spending on the 2018 midterm elections through a shell company as part of a scheme to skirt election laws. Records filed with the Federal Election Commission on Friday show the NRA spent more than $830,000 in support of Missouri GOP Senate candidate Josh Hawley, who is locked in a virtual tie with Democratic incumbent Claire McCaskill. The gun group hired a firm called Starboard Strategic to place the ads. Hawley's com- campaign, meanwhile, has paid on Message Inc., a conservative consulting firm, more than $1.2 million. Starboard has been shown to be little more than an on-message alter ego. The NRA is their only client. Nine senators, led by Rhode Island's Sheldon Whitehouse, are calling for an investigation into the NRA's use of this shell company for illegal campaign spending. The NRA is free to independently spend as much as it wants on political candidates, so long as the group isn't coordinating with the candidate's campaign. Any coordinated spending, however, is subject to caps and disclosure requirements. The NRA has therefore made excessive and unreported contributions in violation of reporting requirements and contribution limits. An 18-year-old man was killed this Sunday evening in a shootout in the McGavock High School parking lot in Nashville, Tennessee. Brandon J. Adams was trying to escape after being threatened by an unknown assailant brandishing a pistol. As Adams sped off, the gunman opened fire, hitting him several times. He died shortly after. This is the 70th reported homicide in Nashville alone this year. Tennessee is currently rated as the 14th worst state for gun violence in the U.S., and the fourth highest for violent crime. States with the highest gun death rates are often the ones with the loosest gun laws. Of the 12 states that allow individuals to carry concealed weapons in public without a permit, eight report above average firearm death rates. Tennessee is also the state with the highest number of school shooting alerts. There is a reported incident in the state every three days. In Taft, Texas, a shooting erupted after an argument at a child's first-year birthday party, leaving 62-year-old Juan Espinosa Sr. and his three grandsons dead. Witnesses said the shooting began with an argument over something real small. Also in Texas, a school police officer drew his gun this week on two students who were playing active shooters during a school lockdown drill. The two high school theater students patrolled the halls with fake wooden guns. The officer, unaware of the drill, saw the actors and immediately drew his own gun on them. Fortunately, this time no one was shot. And from one of the states with the least gun deaths, the Trace reports this week that California police have taken more than 18,000 illegal guns back from formerly lawful owners in the last five years. The state is working to disarm gun owners who acquired their guns legally 
but were later barred from possessing firearms because of disqualifying, beha- disqualifying behavior such as domestic abuse or violence. One man was suffering from mental illness and had his gun seen, seized after threatening his neighbors. Another was on parole for making criminal threats and was found with military rifles and white supremacy propaganda in his home. So now we turn our special to our special focus this week and we hear from some of the young activists from the March for Our Lives movement. Um, British, you just spent some time in Seattle with mm-hmm. these young organisers, so maybe you can tell us a bit about this new American youth movement and how Gays Against Guns have been getting involved. Sure. Um, March for Our Lives is a youth-led gun violence prevention group that was born out of the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School massacre massacre in Parkland, Florida, last Valentine's Day. The teen survivors organized their first meeting in their living room in Parkland, and it has now grown across the nation. So GAG participated in the first march that they led in D.C., and March for Our Lives in the movement has expanded to addressing the elections and getting young people registered to vote. Their Road to Change movement has been visiting cities across the nation all summer. Gays Against Guns was recently invited to Seattle for a March for Our Lives Leadership Summit where we hosted a workshop about artistic ingenuity and activism. The Seattle students did an amazing job organizing, and it was hosted in the Seattle Seahawks Stadium with many other Seattle organizations supporting the students' efforts. I've had the opportunity to chat with two students from Jacksonville while I was there, and I'd like to share a little bit of what they had to say. So can we give a, a listen to... Mia and Kaylin. Hi, I'm Mia. I'm from Jacksonville, Florida, but I live in Miami for college, and I'm 19 years old. And I am Kaylin Kindy, Jacksonville. Um, I'm 19. This weekend was um, a really great weekend to just be able to actually come together and work face-to-face with a bunch of different chapters um, across the nation. Yeah, I think this movement has been really eye-opening, and we have a lot of work on our way with the elections coming up in Florida, so we're going to be out there canvassing diversifying and bettering our movement. Like this June, um, Jacksonville accounted for 23% for transgender homicides in the U.S., so um, 23% of the whole nation was just in Jacksonville. And, and what about the, um, the shooting that happened in Jacksonville at the... Yeah, there, there was a shooting, a triple shooting at a high school um, that weekend on Friday, and then like a day or two later, there was the landing mass shooting. Uh, that was hard to deal with. Um, I personally had four friends that got shot that weekend, um, so in less than 48 hours, four of my friends got shot. So it was a really tough weekend, not only for Jacksonville, but um, for me and, and my friends as well, um, just all our community. We organized like a vigil and then like a rally and stuff um, so we could kind of come together and you know make <laughs> make call that like we need change now like it and and Mia you were saying something about the um, Republican kids doing walkouts Jacksonville is very different demographically but I come from a specific specifically a wealthier community um, that has like a large number of Republican kids or their parents are Republicans and I know that even in just planning my own um, like we had a day of action instead of a walkout because we thought it was 
we could be more productive. Uh, and we had like voter registration, like um, diverse attempts at like um, dealing with like mental health issues and like how we treat people of color in our school. Um, and like a lot of different things that sort of surround the debate of gun violence. Um, so we were able to work with our school to get that. And then I know that like my friends that helped me plan that, two of them couldn't even, they didn't even tell their parents they were doing it. So, uh, and, and that has nothing to do with being a Republican or not. It just tends to be that, um, like in our area, the more conservative people tend not always to find that they can align with our movement. But as we have more open conversations, I think a lot of the times they find that they can align with our movement. So I think when their own kids sort of push past that, like, idea that, like, my parents are going to disown me if, like, they don't agree with me and just, like, sort of have to start to have those conversations and start to explain, like, where they're coming from, I think their parents are going to be a lot more, like, lenient and understanding for the issue, just, like, knowing that their own kid feels very passionate about this issue. So long as their kids feel empowered. Um, I hope that they're going to continue to have those tough conversations with their parents. They can talk about these issues openly, especially because like, we can't force anyone to like something, but at least we can help them relate. No kid should have to deal with it. No adult should have to deal with it. No human being should have to deal with it. So I think so long as like we keep that conversation going and that movement going, even if it does start with wealthy kids telling their parents that they're afraid in school, then maybe those wealthy parents will actually decide to say like, yeah, this is this is BS. Like we're actually going to do something like I don't want my kid to be like scared when the fire alarm goes off and like mm. there could be a fire but they're more scared about a shooter. Yeah. Other countries don't. Adrina went on an interview with a, someone from Belgium a few months ago and and I've obviously like lived in Europe. My class in Sweden spent weeks studying the gun violence debate in America as a part of their English course this year. That was what they learned. But they studied Emma Gonzalez. They studied March for Our Lives. They studied camp. Like they studied the gun debate and like the fact that like our epidemic is something that European kids are learning about in school like how gross is that how disgusting like we study war conflicts in other countries and think like oh yeah like we're a good country like, we don't have that but then other countries are studying us with our own sense of war right so do you think that there's more that that in schools that that the students are more emotionally like that there's a more tenuous uh, emotional state oh this is for teachers and for everyone. I mean, like, the, the procedures at different schools are starting to take when it comes to, like, we call it, like, militarizing schools because, like, they're only allowing one access point. And, like, I understand the need for schools to be safer, but I just don't understand why in every other developed country that's not a thing, but in ours it has to be a thing. It can't be, like, the nice, breezy Florida high school. It has to be the, like, locked down, everyone's precautious. And, like, I remember this was maybe, like, a month after Parkland, someone in the class next to us um, screamed really loud, and the whole class just got dead silent. Like, no one, like, we weren't even like, oh, it was probably just a joke. We were just, like, dead silent. So then our teacher obviously went into the other class, and it was just, like, a boy yelling at a video, like, jokingly. But, like, that wasn't our thought. Like, we don't think about jokes anymore. We think about Im imminent threats. So the fact that that's just, like, a reality for, like, American kids in high school or in college or in elementary school, like, I've, I've, we've been doing lockdown drills since I was five. Wow, lockdown since you were five years old. I can't even imagine. But, you know, I have to say it's really great to hear from these young organisers. You know, Gag was down in D.C. for a protest outside the NRA headquarters with March for Our Lives last month. And, you know, just listening to these 15 and 16 year old kids and making some of the most powerful, impassioned speeches I've heard personally in a really long time. 
Um, Bridget, you know, hanging out with these kids, do you, does this give you more hope for gun sense in America? Um, I think so. I mean, I got to meet with leaders from so many uh, cities around America, and they left me very hopeful, even though they didn't know who Madonna was. <laughs> they understood Gag's creativity and our mission. And I asked them at one point what really made them frustrated and what their creative passions were. And one of the groups rewrote a Drake song about trans people's rights. So they get it. They know they have to be innovative and loud to get the national attention on this epidemic. And unfortunately, it is a daily thing. I'd like to read this post from one of Seattle organizers about her experience at her school a couple of weeks after she worked so hard to organize the Seattle summit. This is a, a post from Nara Kim in, from her high school on October 4th, 2018. Today I was in a dark room, scared shit, bawling my eyes out. No one was physically injured, but I truly think that Shoreward is hurting right now. The fear that came with the threat of a school shooting was terrifying, and for two hours, I didn't know what to do or even what to feel. At first, I was so angry. I was angry at the school for not giving us more information, angry that I had to get information from my peers on Snapchat, angry at the people acting like this was no big deal, angry at the world for being so terrible, and angry at myself. I was angry at myself because I felt absolutely powerless. I wanted to run out into the hallway and find out what was going on and scream stop, but instead I was sitting in a dark corner of a classroom silent and helpless. You see these news stories about school shootings and always say, oh, that'll never happen to me. It'll happen over there and over there, but not at Shorewood, not my home. What I've come to realize is that today it could have happened to me. My friends could have been taken away from me. My life could have been stolen before I had the chance to do anything great. I told my mom I loved her. She told me to be careful and that if anything happened, to hide under a desk. She told me that she loved me. I could have lost everything. But I'm alive. My friends are alive. We're all shaken up, but we're okay. We got to return to our families and give them a hug and reunite. Let's not forget that too many kids haven't been able to reunite with their loved ones. They were stolen from their lives, and now the mothers and fathers will dream of the day they can hug their child again. We see these news stories and hear about body counts and death counts, and even then people don't care. They go through their daily lives not even thinking about it. Why have we become so desensitized? Why is death and fear and heartbreak normal? We deserve better. People who have been lost deserve better. My future kids and sons and daughters and nephews and nieces and cousins and granddaughters and grandsons deserve better. Please, I'm begging you. Take action. Vote. Register to vote. If your cousins and your distant relatives aren't registered, find them, register them. Voting is a superpower, and not enough people are using it. You can register to vote at your local voting polling agency and call us in Seattle if you like. If you aren't taking action, you're part of the problem. We as youth need to stand up and demand change, especially since right now, decisions that will impact us for the rest of our lives are being made without our input. The duty of youth is to challenge corruption. Let's do it. Uh, the duty of youth is to challenge corruption. I love that. Um, thanks, Bridget. You know, it's just, it's so horrific that this has become such a normalized part of, of our kids' lives. You know, when I was a young gay kid in the Irish Catholic educational system of the Irish 80s, now I thought that was traumatic. But, you know, mm -hmm. and I was terrified. But, you know, I've like nine-year-old bullies and predatory priests, not AR-15s. You know, it just must be so emotionally traumatizing for kids to have to... 
It is. It is. And, you know, this year was the 19th anniversary of the Columbine shooting. 19 years. And it's only gotten worse. And with the GOP in bed with the NRA, they just keep insisting on more guns, more lockdowns, bulletproof backpacks. It's just absurd how they try to persuade us that shooters are an inevitable part of a school day's uh, life. And there's nothing we can do to prevent it. I mean, what's that do to society when kids are brought up in a state of permanent internalized warfare you know the land of the free where six-year-old kids cower in plastic pods in the corner of their schools or get shot hiding it's, under it's desks. horrific yeah. Yeah. i you know i'm an educator and my colleagues most common worry is that the fear of how gun violence has become so normalized especially through these insane drills that kids they're not even scared anymore they're they're becoming numb to it it's like another fire drill, and that's scary until it's real, and then that's even more scary. And that's where the March for Our Lives students are so savvy, and all the student uh, groups that are organizing to get out the vote, because they're promoting a solution through a democratic practice of voting. I really, it really does give me some hope. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of voting, um, let's take a total swerve here, you know, okay. in a very gag style. And let's talk about Sing Out Louise Yay. Um, and their new vote video. Do you, can you introduce Sing Out Louise for us quickly, Bridget? Um, sure. Sing Out Louise started with Gays Against Guns as a holiday uh, sing-along. We were called Gagnog. Then we morphed into Gag Reflex and expanded our repertoire to include more street theater, such as My Bloody Valentine. And we sing all over the place. We go out on the streets. We're in marches. With the holidays coming up, we'll be at a lot of holiday hot spots around the city. So if you want to come out, we bring our lyrics. You can sing along. Okay, wonderful. So let's have a, a listen to Sing Out Louise and our new vote, Get the Vote Out anthem. Yes. Hey, hey. 
Her Carmen Cruz, Beto's turning Texas blue. Bernie Hill, who's your fave? Get to work and ride the wave. John Lewis, MLK, Rosa Parks, you showed the way. Mandela, Gandhiji, dreamed the world and it came to be. They had guts, they had brains. Cesar Chavez broke our chains. Harvey, Edie, Adrienne. Ask Obama, yes we can. Ladies with an attitude, fellows who are really stewed. Don't just stand there, let's get to it. Strike a blow, there's nothing to it. Vote. If you want to see all the beautiful faces behind that song and the dancing and just, oh, the cinematography, just check us out online. Sing out Louise. Vote. Google it. You'll find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere you look on social media. And yes, definitely check out the video. And also this year at the Halloween parade, we are going to be gagging. Uh, The theme this year is I am a robot. And Gag are bringing you Russian spy bot realness with a gaggle of sci-fi and spy-inspired looks. The Saturday before, we're at Lucky Bar in the East Village making our Soviet robot drag. So if you ever wanted to lay a Fabergé egg shaped like Brezhnev or live your full Russian constructivist theatre fantasy, this would be your moment. Oh, and of course, <laughs> info on all these events, as always, is on the Gays Against Guns Facebook page. And we make regular posts on all our social media. And consider coming to one of our meetings. The next meeting is Thursday, October 25th at 7 p.m. at the LGBT Center in New York City on 13th Street. All are welcome. And of course, consider becoming a BAI buddy uh, by calling 516-620-3602 or going online to WBAI.org and becoming a BAI buddy in the name of GAG. We will love you forever. So now it's the time to round out the show with our traditional hell yes, where we shout out some of our heroes of the week. First of all, we'd like to shout out to our own Gag co-founder, Kevin Herzog, a.k.a. Mother Gag, who was recovering from a particularly nasty haircut. She's spending a lot of time online right now, so he should be available uh, very easy to locate on an app if you stand anywhere near 21st Street. <laughs> Hell, Hell yeah. yeah, Kevin. We'd also like to shout out to all the incredibly inspiring young organizers across the United States and in the March for Our Lives movement who really look like they are forcing serious change in the gun violence debate. Hell, Hell yeah. yeah. And to all our gaggers who've been traveling this week for gag, Ben and Richard and the Gag Orlando crew, Andrew, Jay, Lou, and everybody in Las Vegas. Hell yeah! And to our national gag chapters, thank you all for stepping up in Columbus, L.A., D.C., San Francisco, Orlando, and many other cities. And if there isn't one in your city, give us a call. We'll get you set up. Hell Hell yeah. yeah! And thanks to WBAI, as always, our super engineer, Reggie. And tune in next week when we have a special focus on how guns play a lethal part in domestic violence. Thank you for listening and be safe. Tune to OutFM on 2.0.
Tuesday, October 16th from 8 to 10 p.m. on WBAI for a special on Scientology, how it uses unethical means to enforce their will on those that oppose them. BBC was filming a documentary, and the church had chosen us for on-camera interviews. John Sweeney, the reporter, was hostile. This man was trying to hurt us. He was our enemy, and enemies had to be destroyed. You'll also learn about its anti-gay policy with a special focus on former high-ranking leader Michelle LeClaire, a lesbian who describes how Scientology auditors extract confessions. But I was sent alone to the case supervisor and grilled about what else I was withholding from the auditor. My file had details of my history with Lacey. Had I been with other women? Tune in on Tuesday, October 16th from 8 to 10 p.m. on WBAI New York 99.5 FM for a special on the Scientology cult. This is WBAI New York 99.5 FM and WBAI.org online. And the previous program was Gays Against Guns Radio Gag. Uh, which is heard um, on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. in place of, well, uh, their their interpretation of the WBAI Evening News, which is heard Tuesdays at 6 p.m. And if you enjoy and appreciate what they bring to the table, please consider becoming a financial supporter to this radio station by calling 516-620-3602. Once again, that number is 516-620-3602 or go to give to WBAI.org online. You can always become a BAI Buddy, which is a sustainer program, which allows you, the listener, to become a sustainer for a year or longer. It's up to you uh, by calling the pledge line and you'll get some perks with that. As little as $10 a month, you can get a pl- uh, a membership card, which will entitle you to discounts to participating um, participating uh, museums, uh, movie theaters, um, restaurants, etc., 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 as well as a tote bag. You can also become. Uh, you can also text. To donate, texting WBAI, you text WBAI on your smartphone to the number 41444, and that's another way of donating to this radio station. You will receive a link on your phone, and it will ask you how much you 